Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good to see you all in church. It's good to be here. Worship was awesome. Thank you, team. Thank you, media team, for being amazing. Um, I mentioned this last week, but we uh, kicked off a, a new initiative. Uh, we we're opening an adoption fund. And what we want to do is partner with families within our church who that is on their heart. And uh, we want to be a uh, help to them and help them uh, make that dream come true. And so um, I mentioned last week that we we're going to take up an offering this week for that. Um, we're currently not passing buckets, but on the way out here, there's um, buckets in the foyer. And uh, you, if you want to give that way, you can. Also, you can give online. There's a drop-down tab there you can give into our adoption fund. But that's just one way that I, I think we can make a difference um, in this city. And um, one way that I think will make an eternal difference in this world. Amen? So uh, if God puts it on your heart to give towards that adoption fund, that would be amazing. And uh, we want to hear stories in the coming future of families within this church that took that step to adopt and... Um, and or brought orphans into, into their home. Um, this is a heart we want to begin to foster as a church. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, last week, um, I preached a message, um, kind of kicking off this new initiative. I preached a message um, on the spirit of adoption and just talking about the fact that you and I, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have been adopted into God's family, right? And I had a lot of good feedback on that message, and I felt like some of those concepts are a little bit hard to grasp, and I felt like there were some loops that weren't closed with it. I don't know that we could fully, I don't know with words I could fully express what the spirit of adoption means. It's really a revelation of the heart to know that, you know, you've been adopted into the family of God. But I did um, feel like um, I want to take another week and um, emphasize this again and talk about the spirit of adoption. How many know it usually takes a few times to hear something before it actually sinks into you, Right. Um, so the title of my message today is called, It's Better Than You Think. So if you thought last week, I'm not saying the sermon was good, I'm saying the reality of that we're adopted in God's family. You think that's good? Listen, it's better than you think, okay? So we're going to go there today. Our natural inclination, our fallen mindset in this world is, um, we, we have this view of God. He's, um, he's, he's distant, and he's kind of angry. It's kind of like this Western... Um, kind of like um, Zeus, you know, he's, he's distant, he's kind of angry, he's ready to strike you down, um, and it's performance-based. Our natural inclination as humans is to, we have to work hard to be right with God. We have to do good. Uh, we, our natural inclination is to live from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do good, therefore good happens to me, do bad, bad happens to me, um, rather than the tree of life, which is Jesus. We want to live from the tree of life, not from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, um, that's our natural inclination. So we need a revelation of this and we need to kind of keep um, beating this drum so that we all get this and grasp these realities. I was talking to my wife earlier this week and she said when she was a, um, a young believer, she was learning about, you know, she knew God as, um, you know, I'm, I'm a servant of God and he's, he's, he's high and he's lifted up. And, but she was learning about being a daughter of God and she was learning about the church as the bride of Christ and that we can be friends of God. She was learning about these realities, and she said they were, they were kind of hard for her to grasp. They were kind of, it actually made her a little bit uncomfortable. Have you ever learned something about God, and it's like, oh, you want us, you want to be like that close, and it makes you a little bit, it makes the religious mindset a little bit uncomfortable. So we have to unlearn religion so that we can learn relationship, right? 
And so um, that's what we're doing. That's what we're going after. Jesus, of course, he made the religious people of his day crazy, right? He drove them crazy. Um, And just, I think we take this a little bit for granted, but just by calling his God, God, Father, but just by saying my father, he identifying himself and my, my father is God. God is my father. People in his day were, were furious about that because they felt that it took something away from God to identify with him as a father. Well, how many know it doesn't take anything away from God to closely identify with him. It actually, but it, what it does is it elevates, it actually elevates us to our true dignity, to the place that God has always called us to be in the first place. On one hand, we know we can never... I don't think we could ever exhaust worship and praise. I don't think we could ever lift his name high, and high enough to where we would have exhausted that. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory. He's totally holy. He's totally other than, right? We could worship him for all of eternity and not exhaust that. But having said that, there is something that's true about you. And the Bible um, teaches that we can be sons. We can be daughters. We can be friends of God. We can be the bride of Christ. And so there's an elevation uh, of us to know who we are, to walk in what God has for us. And so religion doesn't like that. And uh, that's why we have to break religion down and we have to teach what the Bible talks about. Amen? And so last week we introduced this idea of being um, co-heirs with Christ, co-inheritors with Christ. This is from Romans 8. And I want to just kind of see how, how deep can we take this? How deep does this rabbit hole really go? Okay, it's better than you think. All right, so let's start off in John chapter 16. In John 16, uh, verses 5 through 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he's about to go away. He's, he's about to depart. And they're a little bit heartbroken by this. They don't understand. Why are you going to leave? We don't, we don't get this. Um, but then he emphasizes what the ministry of the Holy Spirit will be when he leaves, okay? After his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, Jesus says this, um, John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Watch this. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be a disciple of Jesus? You're walking with God incarnate for three years. For three years, you have Jesus leading you personally. Like you're, you're, imagine like, I don't know. I can't even compare myself to Jesus. Like, can you imagine having Jesus, but he's with you everywhere you go and you're following him for three years. And all of a sudden he's saying, I'm going to go away. Right. Um, And he says, but you're going to get an upgrade. And you're trying to wrap your brain around. Wait a minute, your physical presence. I'm going to upgrade to your physical presence. How could this possibly be? Okay. How is this possibly an upgrade? Look at the, the new living translation says this, John 16, seven. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. That is a, that is a tough one to wrap your brain around. Um, if, I, if I stood up here and said, okay, you people, um, we're gonna, we're gonna, you can have God, okay? Um, you can choose to have Jesus in the flesh, or you can have the Holy Spirit. I think maybe, and at times, certainly in our life, I think maybe most of the time we'd be like, I'll take Jesus in the flesh. 
He'll just walk with me and then tell me everything to do and teach me and, and, and unlock the Torah to me, unlock the scriptures to me, you know? And I think most Christians think that way. We're like, if only Jesus could just be standing here, then I would be okay, right? <clears throat> so, um, but he said, Jesus said, that we are better off when he departs so that the Holy Spirit can be sent. Now, we, of course, we know that we have Jesus in our hearts by virtue of the Holy Spirit. But he says, we're better off. We're better off with the Holy Spirit than his literal presence. Let me give you four reasons why I think this is true. Well, I know it's true because Jesus said it. Let me give you four reasons <laughs> why, I think it's, why I think it's true. Okay. Number one, if Jesus remained in the flesh, his life remains a seed, Right? But if he dies and that seed multiplies, that seed can go into all the earth. And now instead of just having one Jesus, you can have Jesus in our hearts and billions of people across the planet can have the Holy Spirit living in their hearts, okay? So um, if, if it was only Jesus here and Jesus was the only person on earth who had the Holy Spirit, what you would have to do, you'd have to, you would have to go to him. You'd have to say he's in Jerusalem. Um, and maybe you make an annual pilgrimage. And of all the Christians, billions of Christians around the world, you want some one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. Like, I don't, it'd have to be years before you could get some one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus, right? There would be one Jesus, and we'd have to wait in line, you have to go to Jerusalem, you have to wait for days or weeks, possibly years, to get an audience with Jesus, right? But how many know that you have an audience with him right now? Today, you have an audience with Jesus because the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, okay? Uh, when Jesus, how many know when Jesus died, he multiplied, okay? Uh, reason number two, if Jesus was the only one with the Holy Spirit, then you would, uh, you would hear stories about a man who once loved you, but you would actually not be able to feel and experience his presence today. You might empathize with and, and, and um, identify like, wow, that, he really loved me and that's really cool. But how many of you in worship today, I didn't just, I'm not just thinking about old stories from the Bible about how God loved me. All those are amazing and true, but I'm actually feeling his presence today and I'm feeling and experience love and connection with God today because of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Third reason. If Jesus was the only person to have the Holy Spirit, then the gifts and the administration of the Holy Spirit would only flow through Christ. It wouldn't be available to the body of Christ, okay? In the Old Testament, it was like this. The Holy Spirit would come, and he would, he would, he would uh, empower someone, he would anoint someone for a season or for uh, just uh, for a few moments, and then the Holy Spirit would lift. The Holy Spirit never rested and remained on people for their entire life. How many know when you have Jesus, Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart, and you have him forever, okay? When Jesus died, he multiplied, and now the gifts, we all have gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts and administrations of the Holy Spirit can flow through us because of that, okay? And here's the last reason. If if he hasn't, hadn't gone away and sent the Holy Spirit, none of us would have gotten saved or would have even wanted to get saved. Okay? It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit to draw your heart to come to faith in him. Okay? Even, even repentance itself is a work of the Holy Spirit. 
the, 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 the fact that you would want to turn away from a, an old lifestyle and turn to God, that in and of itself is a work of the Holy Spirit, okay? You might, the best we maybe could come up with was a, I have a desire to have a desire, but you would never actually have a desire yourself. But how many of the work of grace transforms your heart so that your, your wanter literally changes? Your desires change. That's the work of grace in our hearts. Um, none of us would have gotten saved or have even wanted to get saved. First Corinthians 12 one through three, this is a section of scripture talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he, he starts this way. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led away by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that the one who is, uh, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by this, the Holy Spirit. Okay, no one can come to say that with conviction, to believe Jesus is Lord and to say that from conviction from your heart. That cannot happen. It's impossible to happen without the help of the Holy Spirit. God convinced you of that. Holy Spirit came into your heart and convinced you of that. Um, you, can, you can reason with people and you can talk about the historical evidence of the Bible, the archaeological evidence of the Bible, the manuscript evidence of the Bible, the scientific evidence of the Bible, and all that's fine and good, and I think God uses that stuff, but it takes, it takes God to know God. It takes the Holy Spirit for that to be unlocked to you, okay? Without the Holy Spirit, faith in God would be impossible. This is why Jesus said, you're better off that I depart, because if I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you, okay? Okay. <clears throat> It is more advantageous that I go away is what he says. Now, thank God when Jesus returns to this world someday, the Holy Spirit won't leave us. Like we'll have a really great leader and an empowering of the Holy Spirit and a desire to follow him. will be really awesome. But he said, if I don't go away, you can't have the Holy Spirit, but it's more advantageous to you that I do go away because you will, I will send the helper to you. I will send the comfort to you, comforter to you. Amen. Okay. So, the Holy Spirit is what did a work in your heart to, to convince you to place your faith and trust in Jesus. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Let's go back to our text um, from last, last week. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. It says this, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Okay, Holy Spirit helps us to be children, right? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no children of God. There's no convincing in your heart to follow him, okay? The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, okay? The Spirit you received, it doesn't make you slaves so that you live under the law, live under all the commands, do good to have good to me. The Spirit you received puts us under grace. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Okay. What is grace? Uh, we, we're no longer under the religious do's and don'ts. We're under grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor, right? Undeserved, unmerited favor. Grace is not earned. It is freely given. Now, <clears throat> we're talking about the, the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into God's family. I mentioned this last week, but Greg and Harmony, they adopted their, their baby son, Bo, who's, how old is Bo now? He's two years old. So, <clears throat> Greg, how many good deeds did Bo do to get adopted by you guys? Zero. 
No good deeds. He was just really cute. He didn't pay you any money. He didn't pay you any money. He didn't make any appeals for you, right? Okay. Obviously, the question itself is asinine because Bo doesn't even remember being adopted. In fact, when they chose Bo, he was still, he wasn't even born yet, right? Yeah, I mean, there was still process happening there, but before he was adopted, he wasn't even born. Greg and Harmony chose him before he could do anything good or anything bad and before he was even born, amen? Okay, this is what grace is for us. Grace is God choosing you from the foundations of the earth to appoint a day where your faith would come alive in your heart, okay? Grace, it is unmerited favor. Another definition of grace is this. Grace is God's divine influence upon the human heart, including gratitude. Okay, without divine influence upon your heart, we would never believe and we'd never come to faith in Jesus and follow him, okay? All right, but let's keep going. It says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves to live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And watch this. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, by him, by who? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit of God, we are able to say, Daddy God. Identify with Father God. Amen? So coming to faith, coming to um, believing that Jesus is Lord, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. To say that and believe that with conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. But to say and believe with conviction that God is a father to you and he's your daddy God, that is also a work of grace, a work of the Holy Spirit in your hearts, okay? This is why it is more advantageous for Jesus to go away to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit to us so that we could be convinced of this stuff. Okay, if Jesus occupied one place, one time, and he was the only one that had the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't know this. We wouldn't feel this. We wouldn't be able to walk in this. So it's so good. Can I get a witness? Okay. All right, let's go on. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit co-testifies with our Holy Spirit that you are a son or daughter of God. Okay, and God has... Daddy God, Papa God, has some inheritances for you, okay? Let's read about this inheritance, okay? Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Okay, I just want to pause real quick. The, the, the last half of that, that verse talks about, I'll just read it. It says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also might share in his glory. I'm not ignoring that part, and I'll probably preach a whole message soon on what is biblical suffering. I think a lot of Christians have bad ideas about suffering and, and that kind of stuff, and we'll do a whole message on it. So not ignoring it, just so you know. Okay, check. So we are co-heirs, joint heirs with Christ. I mentioned this last week, but what does this mean? What does it mean to be a co-heir, a co-inheritor with Jesus? That, that God so identifies us with Christ that what Jesus inherits, we also inherit. It's huge, okay? Now, normally in the ancient world, um, the, there was inheritance for all the children, but the older brother, the oldest brother, got the vast majority of the inheritance, especially if there was a, uh, a title included or a throne that was included, okay? The older brother got the vast majority of that. But in this case, the Bible declares and shows us that what Christ gets, we also get, 
What Jesus inherits, we also inherit. I mentioned this last week, but Jesus, by virtue of being God, Jesus never became God. He was always God, right? Jesus is God. He always was God. He always will be God. But there came a day when Jesus became flesh, right? By virtue of being God, there are things that that Christ inherits that we don't have access to, okay? Because he's God. And I'll give one example is worship. Humans are never to be worshiped. Only divine beings are to be worshiped, right? And so that was one example that we don't have access to that. But what we do have access to is anything that Jesus inherited as a son, okay? When Jesus became flesh and what he inherited as a son, we have access to that, okay? We are co-inheritors with Christ for those things. And so he doesn't use the word like Jesus inherits this and you inherit this. He says, no, you inherit the same stuff. So when an example would be, let's say you have an inheritance and you have two sons, you have an older son. And in a sense, Jesus is our elder brother, right? You have two sons, but you say, I want you guys to inherit this only together. I want you to co-inherit this. Okay. That's what this is saying. It's not 50, you get 50% of the estate, you get 50% of the estate. It's like, no, you both get 100%, but you have to inherit it at the same time together. Okay, that's what, we ha- that's what this is talking about. Okay, as long as you're yoked to Jesus, you get what Jesus gets. You inherit what Jesus gets. Okay, this is why we can have unmerited favor. This is why grace is on us, because Jesus inherited grace and favor. He is highly favored, right? You're highly favored because you're yoked to Jesus. You get what he gets. Our right to the inheritance stands and falls on Jesus' right to the inheritance. Your right to the inheritance stands and falls on Jesus' right to the inheritance. Okay? If we're co-heirs, neither has, check this out, neither has any right to the inheritance, inheritance apart from the other. If we're truly in Christ and we're co-heirs, neither has any right to the inheritance apart from the other one. Okay? They're co-existent. Okay? So here's the deal. If Jesus gets nothing, you get nothing. If Jesus gets everything, you get everything, right? But here's the kicker, okay? So everyone buckle up. Buckle your seatbelts, okay? Here's the kicker. If we get nothing and we're truly in him, he also gets nothing, okay? But if we get everything and we're truly in him, he also gets everything. We're co-inheritors, all right? Some of you will let that sink in, okay? That's kind of a deep one, right? Let me say it again. If we get nothing and we're truly in Christ, then Jesus also gets nothing. Whatever he inherits, we inherit. Amen? So if we're going to drive the car, we both have to be in the car. If we're going to live in the house, we both have to live in the house together, right? Both have to be in the car. We both have to live in the house together. If, if part of the inheritance was going on a lavish vacation, guess what? It's not like Jesus is going to go on his vacation. I'm going to go on my vacation. No, we're going to take a vacation. We have to co-inherit it together at the same time. We have been included with Christ. We are in him. He and us and us and him. Amen. It is good. It is good. So this is why we can be declared righteous because we don't have a righteousness of, righteousness of our own. We are in Christ and Christ has a righteousness that we can inherit. If the covenant of grace is insufficient in any way to us, if if this covenant of grace that God has for us is insufficient in any way, it's equally insufficient for us and Christ. 
But if it's more than enough, it's more than enough for Christ and it's more than enough for us. Amen? Okay? Again, this isn't to take away from Christ at all, but this is to elevate us to the dignity. What is the dignity be calling sons and daughters of the Most High God? There is such a dignity in this. This is the greatest thing we could ever inherit. Okay? The religious spirit has a lot of trouble with what I'm saying right now. So if you're choking on this, we're going we're gonna to keep beating the drum here, okay? We are co-inheritors with Christ. This is the spirit of adoption. Okay, I'm going to kind of bring it home here, and we'll, we'll conclude pretty quick here. So I'm going to ask a few questions. Question number one, is Christ a king? All right, is Christ our high priest? Yes, he is. But check this out. Revelation 1, 5 through 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to, to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But how many know that he has made us kings and priests? Why? Because we're co-inheritors with him. Okay. Let me ask you another question. Does Christ have a throne? Certainly Christ has a throne, but look at this revelation three twenty one. to the one who is, Jesus said this to the one who is victorious. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. I had this, this is profound. I had this experience when I was in my young twenties, we were um, part of a young adult ministry. And uh, I think I was at a small group. I was in someone's home and we're worshiping. And I had this vision where I'm with Jesus and I'm sitting with him on his throne. And I like rebuked it. I was like, this is blasphemy. Seriously, I was like, no, 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 no. This must have been from the devil or my imagination or something. I like literally shut it down in my mind. I was like, no, he's up here and I'm way down here, right? And then I read this verse. I was like, oh, he was showing me what's actually true. That he's going to give us the right to sit with him on his heavenly throne, okay? This doesn't take anything away from Jesus. This doesn't make him less amazing, but it it elevates us to the dignity that he has given us. Come on. It's good. Why would you settle for anything less than this? Come on. Okay, let me ask you another question. Will Christ judge the nations? Yeah, it says he will rule the nations with an iron scepter. But look at this, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 3. Um, Paul speaking to the church here, he says, if any of you has a dispute with another, do not take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not to uh, be competent? uh, Are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? I don't even know what this looks like, but it's, you know, there's, but apparently there's a level of competence that God's going to have to give us all because how many of you not, not all of us are qualified to be judges, right? But apparently there's a level of competence and character and holiness that God's going to give us that we would literally be able to judge the world. Co, co-labor or co-judges labors with him. I don't even know how that works, but Paul says here, we'll judge the world. It's crazy. We hear so many messages on like, you know, don't be judgmental. Don't judge. Well, here it says we're going to judge the world. So we should be able to judge certain matters, right? Be, be competent to do that. Okay, next question. Does the earth belong to the Lord? Yeah, it says that in the Bible. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
Matthew 5, 5 says this, so Jesus says this, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Okay. This is, this is um, being a co-inheritor with Jesus. Blessed are the meek. We're inheriting the earth with Jesus. It's amazing. Um, I think I have one more question. Nope. Two more questions. Will Christ receive honor? And has he received honor? Yes. But Jesus says this, Matthew 25, 21. He will say this to many of us. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge in many things. Come share in your master's happiness. So the idea of our master's happiness, we're going to be able to share in that master's happiness. So he will honor us. We will receive honor. Okay, last one. Is Christ the heir of all things? Yes, it says this in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Paul said, or well, I think it's Paul, by the way. No one really knows who wrote Hebrews, if you didn't know that. My wife and I disagree on this point, but that's okay. Lord help her know. But the pastor knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Pray for her, guys. <laughs> she doesn't always agree with me. This is a problem. <laughs> Hebrews 1. Where do, wow, where are we? Um, Hebrews 1, 1 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. Okay? So Jesus is the heir of all things, made the universe through him. But watch this. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 22. Paul, now we know it's Paul, <laughs> did write Corinthians. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. So there's this debate between the church about, I follow Paul. I, I follow um, Peter or Paulo or whatever. So Paul's like, this is a stupid argument. He says, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God, okay? In Christ, we inherit everything that Jesus inherits, okay? And don't worry, we're not going to misuse this inheritance because God's changing our nature and character. When we go to heaven, we'll have our desires completely renewed. But listen, he has made us co-inheritors with him. What does this mean? There's a dignity that we should walk in. I believe the reason why people settle in life or the reason why people fall into sin many times is because they don't understand their identity in Christ Jesus. If we knew who we were, we would never settle for anything else. Amen. So he is ours. We are his. He, he inherits us. The Bible actually says this in another place. We are his inheritance, right? We inherit him. He is our portion. We inherit God. He inherits us. We are in Christ. He is in us. He, we are seed with Christ in heavenly places, yet he also lives in my heart right now. Okay, it's better than you think. So by the spirit of God, we can truly know our adoption. We can truly know that our calling and election is sure. And we can cry, Abba, Father. We can cry, Daddy, God. So I want to pray that we would just receive this today and we would understand this by the spirit of God. So why don't you guys stand to your feet? Have you ever, have you ever called God, Daddy, God, Papa, God? Can you identify with him like this? Takes the spirit of God to convince you of that, by the way. <clears throat> so I'm going to just pray and believe that God would show us this. Some of you, you might have a, a negative feeling when we talk about a father. Maybe some of you here had a, 
negative experience with fathers. But listen, God is the most loving, tender, amazing father you could ever ask for. And he will, he will be a father to you, and he will show you what a true father is supposed to be like. So I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for every individual in this place, Lord. God, we thank you for the spirit of adoption. You have invited us, God, not just to sit and eat crumbs below the table, God. You invited us to the table to be full, full sons and daughters, fully adopted, fully brought in, Lord, to the fold, Lord. We thank you, God, that you, this is the kind of God you are, that you desire to have a family. You desire to have a family, Lord. You desire to be called Father. You desire to be called Papa. You desire to be called Daddy God. And it's only by the Spirit of God can we say Daddy God and believe it with conviction. So Lord, I ask today, Lord God, you would convince in their heart, Lord God, the people that you are a father to them. You are a loving, tender father. And we are a part of your family, Lord. We love you, God. And we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.